Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. And if you were to give advice to somebody that was looking to get their first investment and it was they're thinking about out of state, um, since that's specifically the, the route you went, what would you what would you advise them? I think you need to know what your purpose is for the property, not just to make money, but how is it going to make money? And so what's, before what's even before you decide a location, like what are you gonna use this property? Yeah, what's the draw? My big thing between Palm Springs and Phoenix is what's the draw? Who are you catering to? Who's your audience? Hey guys, welcome to episode 29 of the Realized Gains Podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm an Oregon realtor and a multifamily and short-term rental investor. And my co-host is Jordan Lee. He's a mortgage lender based in Portland, Oregon, and he's licensed in about seven states. And on today's episode, we have our good friend Scott Carton from McAdam Flooring. Uh, his company helps supply investors like me with uh, tons of building supplies such as tile and flooring. And he actually goes through uh, talking about some of the new innovations in some of those products. Um, he actually supplies me with my flooring product, which is actually great. He saves me a ton of money and he has contractors to help install as well. And he actually has a short-term rental in the Arizona area. And he goes into some of the trials and tribulations that he had while setting that up. And, you know, some of the things that happens with guests and just his personal experience with that. So if you're interested in learning more, stay tuned for the episode. Thanks. Hey guys, welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I'm your co-host Jordan Lee, and today we have a very special guest for you, uh, Scott from McAdam Flooring. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, Scott's a great friend of ours. He's a great partner, and he works with a lot of local flippers and investors in town, um, and also just folks that are remodeling. But before we go too deep into that, Scott, do you mind just giving us a quick you know, background, wh what you were doing, where you're from? and how you kind of found your way into this world? Sure. Uh, so I grew up in the Puget Sound area up in Washington State. My father was a general contractor most of my life. My mom was an elementary school teacher. Oh, so, so family business. Yeah, yeah. grew up in the, in the housing industry, um, more on the construction side, did a lot of remodels with my dad over the years. Mm. So I have a lot of experience with that. Um, after college, ended up moving down here to the Portland metro area, started a family down here. Uh, one of the things that I did right after getting started with that is I worked for a, a stone restoration business, like a concrete polishing company oh. after college, which was interesting. I did that for a while. Like for on the retail side in homes? Or no, doing more? the labor. Oh, okay. Actually, like with the concrete polishing, grinding machines. And, oh, oh, oh and grinding. producing the products. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep, absolutely did that for a while. Uh, that was a lot of hard work. Um, but then after that, uh, I went and actually sold cars. Mm. for a while so and that was an interesting experience that was your first sales job it was kind of yeah kind of one of the first ones that i had going on there and i learned a lot about sales and customer service and how important it is to be have a, you know like have a lot of integrity when mm -hmm. you're selling things to people um, a lot of people have a lot of 
negative energy when it comes to people in the sales position. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I figured out my niche and my way of working through that. And then from there, I started my own company as an entrepreneur uh, and bought into a franchise system where we did stone tile and grout restoration work. So I did a lot of grout cleaning, caulking reinstallations, mm -hmm. um, tile installations, polishing of natural stone products. I did that for a decade and then came across Macadam Floor and Design. They were one of my clients at the time and I went in and talked to the ownership group and was brave enough to just ask the boss if I he was hiring and they hired me on the spot. So it was, it's been a good fit for me ever since. Oh, nice. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, so uh, help us understand like what your, your company, what, what Macadam does and kind of where you fit into the, the real estate space or where your niche is. Yeah. So Macadam floor and design is a flooring, um, specialty contracting company. We specialize with residential remodel work. We do a lot of flooring obviously we do countertops backsplashes tile shower work you know carpeting mm. those types of things is kind of what we sell most of as far as jobs go the other things that we do too is we have commercial opportunities we have a division that does commercial work we have a division that does fire water smoke restoration work mm -hmm. um, i work in our residential remodel uh, department and so i get an opportunity to work with a lot of real estate brokers and their clients and in, in property <clears throat> investors so that's been fun for me. I take a lot of my background knowledge and experience as a kid growing up and working with my dad's company, and I get to get to do it still today. Um, I just don't have to do all of the manual labor, which is nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it looks like I, I, I went to the, what is it called, the Street of Dreams in Vancouver, or I forgot what it was called, the Parade of Homes. Of homes. Uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Very similar to the Street of Dreams in uh, Portland. Right. But, uh, yeah, I think I saw Christina Peterson there. And uh, apparently you guys work with new construction as well? We do. We, do. we get an opportunity to do, we have in our new construction division, um, has, has a lot of project managers in there. We have a lot of the major production builder accounts that we get to work with. And so, yeah, the, the Street of Dreams and Parade of Homes, they're local here in the Portland metro area. We get a lot of opportunities to work with those builders and to meet people when we get to show off all of our hard work in the houses when they're done. Which is fun. It's it's a that's that's the fun part, right? It's all the hard work leading up to the show, and then the show is there, and then we get to meet with people and talk with the people who are passing through the houses about all the different things we get we we did to help make it work. Oh yeah, no, it's just another one of those situations where I was like, okay, McCabe flooring is here too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm remodeling my bathroom, let's say, and I don't know anything about remodeling. I've never <clears throat> done that work before. Don't necessarily really want to do it. I don't really want to just go to Home Depot and buy some stuff and, and play around. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between, okay, I'll go to McAdam Flooring and, and, and ha what kind of service do you provide there for the, for the person that has no idea what they're doing? Right. No, I get, we, I deal with that every day. And so one of the things that we get to do at McAdam is I get an opportunity to sit down with a client and talk with them about their vision mm -hmm. for when the project's finished. By the time I get to meet with people, everybody's gone through and they've seen Pinterest and house and they've, you mm -hmm. know, I guess if you want to be old school, you clipped pictures from a magazine. Yeah, yeah. Or, you or, saw something in Inch saw, Design or whatever. Yeah, and you loved that's it. That's what right? I want. Yeah, I want my bathroom to look like that. And yeah. when I have that as the inspiration, it's easy to say, great, this is how we do this. We can get it measured. My installation contractors that we use are more than capable of tearing Oh, so you line. have in-house contractors or, or folks there's, that are... There's subcontractors that okay, McAdams okay. subs out to. They're all licensed, bonded, insured, okay. properly equipped. They're, and people that I work with every day. And you'll like guarantee... Yep, basically 100%. Okay. We warranty everything. 
Okay. And so do they. So it's really nice to be able to do that. It's kind of turnkey whole operation. People can come in and meet with me. I can help them design the space. And then after I design the space, I get to select the contractor. The contractor, the customer and I will meet, we'll go over the work area. We'll talk about the different design options. Then the installer takes over and actually does the work. Mm. And it's really nice to be able to do that. And it's great to see people from beginning to end of the process be happy with the end results. Oh, and fantastic. it yields a lot of repeat business, which is nice. Oh, yeah. No, of course. And uh, I'll be proud to say that, you know, I am a customer of Mechanical Flooring <laughs> as well. You know, you helped me and Tony out with our property, getting right. us flooring, et cetera. So, you know, always, I always appreciate that. Uh, can we kind of jump into your work with investors? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I kind of just want to hear, uh, you know, your experience that obviously I buy flooring from you, but uh, how do you uh, get connected with the investor community? Uh, through like, well, obviously just meeting people at our, at our showroom, um, meeting people at networking events, like through ARIA mm -hmm. is a great place. I mean, that's where we met through yep. the ARIA organization. It's been wonderful through other organizations like WCR, um, you know, Portland Realtors, you know, lots of those types of opportunities connecting with people in the community is important too. Um, but with the investors specifically, and one of the ways that McAdam or I am able to help save them some money is by getting them better pricing on products hmm. and being able to say to them, Hey, this is a way that you can save some money, turn this house to flip it, to make your money on that. But you can do it in a way that's not going to break the bank when you do it. You don't have to spend a ton of money to make a house look beautiful in order to sell it and gain the profits on the backside of it. So we have a lot of opportunities. So you have a range of products. It's not just like super high end. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're in a nice part of Portland. You know, our showroom is beautiful. You know, we do cater to a lot of high end clientele, but we also have a lot of things that are Home Depot priced, um, Lowe's priced kind of thing. Like you can easily flip a house and do it on a really tight budget and buy from McAdam Floor and Design and still not feel like you spent um, more than your budget will allow. Happen, and, happens often. And why, why do investors like, let's say want to work with you over Home Depot is like, you know, is it a timing thing? Is it, is it? Yeah, it's timing is a lot of it. Usually we can get the products a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. We have a larger selection choice than Home okay. Depot does too. They're pretty cut and dry with what they offer. Right. Um, Just whatever's in the store. Basically. Yeah. Whatever's sitting in the store is what you get. And we can order direct from suppliers and ship exactly what you want to our warehouse here in Portland. And then you as a contractor or your customer can go pick it up or our installers can go pick it up and take it to the job site to install the product. Another reason why I think a lot of people enjoy working with myself or people with my, and my coworkers at McAdam is just because the level of customer service is high. You know, it's not, we don't just sell you the product and then hand you the invoice and say the warehouse is over there, go pick it up and have a nice day. It's what else can we do to make your experience better? What else can we do to make this less stressful for you and take the burden away from all of those other things? So you have a lot of stuff to work about, you know, like Stephen, when you and Tony and I worked together, like the floor was one thing that you guys were like, thank goodness, we can just get rid of this part of the stress. And, oh, yeah. And it's done. And because I walked through that house with you, there was a lot of other things besides the floor to be concerned about. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and it, that's definitely true. And yeah. the end results were awesome. Like the project itself, like turned out really, really well. Yeah, no, and you know, I, you know, that's just one of the things that I appreciate about working with you is that you came through and you basically told us scrape up this bubbled part and we can just lay over it, you right. know. And that was the part that we thought was going to be the most expensive thing to fix because that and that made the house unfinanceable. But we literally took a shovel, scraped it up, and we were able to cover over it, and it right. immediately worked. That was great. Yeah. And obviously, you came through and you measured everything, which yeah. I thought it was amazing because I, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get that. I get that a lot. So it's fine. It's part of the job. It's it's find ways to help you out. You know, maybe a project is not a gigantic project for me, 
as far as like getting my hands involved in it and it's not a big thing. Um, you know, we were talking earlier, the three of us about sometimes my projects are as simple as putting tile on a fireplace surround, just around the fireplace itself. And it's a small project. Mm -hmm. And Jordan, you alluded to back to like, yeah, it's not a big project, but it gets people in the door and it, it's another client that I get to work with and another satisfied customer. And maybe two, three years down the road, they'll say, Hey, it's time to do countertops or it's time to do other things or, hey, we bought this property at the beach, Scott. We need to do these other floors or other projects. And it and that's how I work. And it's nice because you get to meet the same people. You get to work with them on different projects. You get to follow them as they move around the Portland metro area from house to house to house. It's nice. Yeah. And you said you'd go all the way to the beach to do work? Yeah, we do. We do. I have a lot of projects at the coast. Um, we do Bend. So most of my work is in Portland Metro, obviously. But I do have a lot of opportunities to be in Central Oregon, you know, the Salem, Albany, Eugene area sometimes down there. But yeah, we'll go wherever the work is at. Project size is not relevant. We'll do whatever projects and we'll do them wherever they're at. Is it too early to tell what's going to be the, um, the popular material in 2023? I think the popular flooring material in 2023 is going to be going back towards the laminate products. Okay. I think vinyl plank is always going to be there because of what it offers and okay. it's a consistent thing in the marketplace. But laminate technology has improved a lot over the last two or three years. Mm. What's changed? It's most laminates are waterproof these days instead yep. of before they oh, were okay. not waterproof. Interesting. Now they are, which is nice. So it's, it's a, it's narrowed the gap in the competitive market when it comes to the difference between laminates and vinyl planks, then mm -hmm. the gap is closer now because of the waterproof capability. Yeah. I think I have some bamboo laminate in my, uh, my old house that is not waterproof. Right. And yeah. it probably has peaks and valleys in it, you know, where well, I, I don't know. I haven't, it wasn't so. when I was living there, but now, <laughs> my, now maybe <laughs> it might be now. Yeah. No, yeah. I get it. And it's, so it's laminate, I think is the best. It's, it's the most budget friendly. Okay. Um, it's the most scratch resistant, which is nice, especially mm -hmm. if there's so a lot of for, like, pets or mm -hmm. yeah, really now if the dog pees on it, it won't hundred percent we'll soak yeah. through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So all of those things are an advantage. Um, you know, so I think that's a great product. Is it still like the, what's the installation method? That it's still like the floating it's method? A, it's a click lock system. So you don't have to like hammer yeah. everything in. No nails, no, no glues. Nails. Nice. Yeah. Super easy Which in, is, super easy out. No, I'll yes. say basically, I'm assuming almost every investor that you work with uses LVP. Like, I feel like if you're an investor, you should know what LVP is. Yes, they do. But just about everybody's like, we want LVP. And then I can bring them up to date with uh, you know, laminate is an option mm -hmm. and say, Hey, laminate's now water resistant or waterproof as well. It might be a little bit more affordable. It's going to be warmer underfoot in yeah. the house. If that matters, sometimes it matters. Sometimes that, it doesn't. I mean, I think that matters, especially if you have an older home, that's not crazy well insulated. Right. Um, and actually let's take a step back here because I think a lot of us that are listening a lot for our viewer, listeners and viewers, what is the difference between a laminate and a vinyl? Okay, so there's, um, not to be too technical with it, I tell my clients when I work with them that laminate is kind of a, it's more like a high density fiberboard or I tell people sometimes like compressed sawdust that's kind of bonded in, together with some adhesives. Yeah, when I, when I think about laminate, I think about laminated doughs because I come from the kitchen world where right. it's like a layer of flour or dough and then a layer of butter and a layer of flour. And, yeah, and you um, keep so building. Yeah, so it's like multiple layers. Yes, and um, it's so laminate. Kind of composite. I mean, it's paper, actually, is what it really is. It's thin layers of paper, and they just keep stacking them on top and pressing them together Okay. with some bonding agents in there. Right. And then once they get it to the thickness they want, then they run it through a printer and they print the picture that we all see and then we walk on. Mm -hmm. Oh, nice. And then there's a protective barrier on top, like a UV coating that gets placed on top of that. And then I tell people a lot, it's kind of like a screen protector on your cell phone. 
Vinyl okay. plank has that. Laminate has the same thing. Okay. The thicker that number is, so the thicker that plastic layer is, the more durable and scratch resistant the flooring is. Okay. So it's kind of like, and most people kind of get the idea of like, oh, I know what a screen protector is on my tablet or my right. cell phone. So it's, it's a real easy way to get them to go, oh, I get that now. So are both of them, like you couldn't really refinish them like a wood floor? No, it's, really. they're it's plank kinda, replacements. If okay. they get damaged, you just pull the planks out and you put and you get rid of them. You put new ones in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then what are the other, I mean, in terms of like durability, does it just depend on the, the quality of the material? Or is it just like, oh, laminate's more durable than vinyl or one of the There's scratch resistant ratings. Okay. So in laminate world, it's called an AC rating. Mm -hmm. So AC three, four, and five, the bigger the number, the more durable the floor is. Okay. Most of our products in our store are AC four and five rated. Okay. So they're very scratch resistant, very durable in that regard. Um, on the vinyl plank side of things, it's the mill wear layers of the, of the screen protector thing on the floor. So there's 12 mil, 20 mil, and 30 mil layers. Okay. And, and vinyl it is just plastic basically, right? Yeah. They have some stone or composite or SPC or stone composite cores kind of thing or stone polymer cores, I think is what it's really called. Okay. Um, so it's like a limestone mm. um, core material and the vinyl is actually adhered to that. Oh, then so there like is a, some. Okay, and then there's like a foam padding on the bottom Yeah. Okay. or cork depending on the manufacturer and okay. that's the sound dampening part. Okay. So then there's there's nothing porous about the flooring material. Right. It's non-porous, so that's why it's waterproof. It, it can be completely submerged. Nothing about it is going to be damaged due to water. Mm. But everything that it's sitting on or sitting near will be ruined from, from the water. You know, oh, because like it'll just go through mm -hmm. it. Your wall base will get or damaged, your, your subfloor, your cabinetry, mm -hmm. all of that stuff will be damaged. Yeah, I think when we pulled up our floors, we, we noticed mm -hmm. that. But the flooring itself is not going to be damaged. So you okay. could pull the vinyl plank flooring out if yeah. you had a flood, dry it off, stack it in the garage, and then reuse it again afterwards. Oh, interesting. If you got to the house when that was happening before the fire, water, or smoke people got there. Right. Because they're going to turn the water off. They're going to get rid of the water. And the first thing they're going to do is find the driest spot on the floor. And they're going to just run their saw and cut the wet spot out. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Because their job is to prevent mold and mildew outbreak right. in the house. Yeah. That's the worst thing in their world. Mildew break infestation in yeah. the house is the worst. The insurance company tries to avoid that. Right. Okay. So it makes sense. So you're seeing a lot more investors move towards laminate now that they have like this waterproofing layer. I think some of them are. I think a lot of them just were unaware of how durable and how good laminate has become in the last four or five years compared to where vinyl plank has been yeah. over those same period of time. So I think it's nice to be able to say you have two choices. You can have laminate or you can have the vinyl plank or the vinyl tile look and now you have choices. Yeah. You're not locked into one road. You can say, I'm going to do this on this house. I'm going to do this because I'm only putting it in the living room, entryway, hallway area. But in this house that I have, I'm going to do it everywhere because I want, you know, the flooring in the kitchen and the bathrooms is bad, but the other house it's not. And it's just probably easier to manufacture because it's just, like you said, just like pressed sawdust and is it cheaper? Yeah, it's, yeah, because a lot of the wood floors, so the companies that make engineered floors or solid hardwood floors, their byproducts are the waste factors. Right. And from that, they repurpose it and send it, it down and they turn it into paper and repurpose it and make their laminates out of it. So is, is laminate flooring then considered more um, environmental friendly or not necessarily? No, not necessarily. But everything in our store is Green Guard certified or it can be sold in the state of California. As you guys both know, that highest EPA you know, protection rating kind of things. Yeah. yeah. So if every, we, everything in our store can be sold in the state of California. So we have as green of stuff and as environmentally friendly stuff as you're going to find. 
And, you know, as an investor, now that I'm, my curiosity has been piqued, uh, what is the cheapest uh, price per square foot for laminate and cheapest price per square foot for uh, vinyl plank? Um, do you want floating floor or glue down vinyl plank? Floating. Uh, about $4 on the retail side of things. Um, on laminate, you're probably in low $3 range. Okay. So it's pretty good um, in that in that regard. There's a lot of places, you know, like stores like, you know, the big box. So technically, I mean, you could do a room for a few hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, if you're a DIY person, yeah. totally. Yeah. Like, I mean, you could buy like $400 worth of laminate and do a whole room by yourself. When people think, you got to think 50 cents per square foot is huge savings, especially when you're doing like a thousand square yeah, feet. Oh, yeah. Foot, you know, yeah. so like, I don't want to bore people with flooring, no. but I think no. it's a huge it does make a big difference yeah. because like you're saying, like if you have a 2,400 square foot house, which is pretty normal, mm -hmm. 2,000, 2,400 square foot house, if you can save 50 cents a foot, that's $1,000 you just put that you can repurpose somewhere else. You mm -hmm. can buy a new countertop for your bathroom for that, or you can get backsplashes installed, or you can repaint the window trims. Yeah. You know, and that $1,000 gets repurposed <clears throat> elsewhere. It's that much, it's better off. No, I love that. I, I actually might try laminate on my next project. <laughs> there we go. Because I trust you that it's waterproof and it's not. It is. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, totally. And I've heard from the consumer side, at least, because, you know, I have like family and friends mm -hmm. that are watching the shows and are interested in that stuff, that they're more interested in laminate floors now than vinyl. Yeah. It's, um, just just from my yeah consumer side. Yeah, it's it's warmer underfoot. So if your shoe's off in the house family, the, van, the laminate is going to feel better underfoot than it is a vinyl plank. Um, but, and it's just, it's just nice. It looks nice. It's durable. It looks like wood. It has texture and depth to it. It's, it's a good product. Not that vinyl plank is not. It's also a good product. It's just a different yeah. genre of flooring, and they both have a place in the market, which is awesome. Great. Oh, that's super interesting information. So uh, pivoting back to the real estate world, mm -hmm. um, you're obviously entrenched in it. You've been entrenched in it forever. How, how, how have you used that knowledge in your own personal finance and personal investing? Like what, what have you done in the, in the real estate world to? So I'm, I'm a novice. <laughs> I'm a novice. <laughs> That's um, very modest. Yeah. I think um, my experiences with real estate so far have been on a very shallow level, like surface level. What, looking forward to getting deeper into it. Um, I mean, have you like, since your dad and you were remodeling homes, mm -hmm. have you bought homes that you've remodeled on your own or how, how have you done I've, that? Purpose? I've done one personally. You've done one. Yeah. And that was like your, your main home that you moved into and you yeah, just remodeled it. About 20 here. years ago or so okay. did that and okay. then been bouncing around ever since, but helped out several friends along the ways mm -hmm. um, and doing those types of things. Yeah. It's, I'm looking for another, my next adventure is going to be to find the property. I want to find, I think this is everybody's dream, right? <laughs> to find the crappiest house in the nicest neighborhood right. and then turn it into a block of gold. Well, that's not everyone's dream. A lot of people <laughs> think the opposite way because it's a lot of work. <laughs> well, that's what I want. I want to find the nice neighborhood and yeah. find the house that everybody's like, man, I wish those people would sell and leave because the yard is garbage and the house is falling apart. Mm. And my property value isn't as high as it should be because mm -hmm. of that house. And I want to buy that house, and then I want to make everyone else in the neighborhood jealous of that house. Mm. That's my goal. Mm. So besides that, for me personally, like um, a lot of other opportunities that I've had have been to work with other people and their investments to help them. Yep. 
save money, whether I do the work myself, whether I help them find and resource those projects out kind of thing that's great, or just share knowledge with them on how to do it on their own. So these days you aren't weekends just... I'm not putting in floors. Nope, and I don't do that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not out. Put in your time out. No, I'm. But done don't it. you have an investment uh, in in Arizona? Or? Yeah, I would help out with a, an Airbnb property down okay. there in Arizona. Okay. Um, and that has been a learning experience. <laughs> what made you guys choose Arizona? So we decided. So when we looked at the different places, the, we were talking about Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. Because it's a it's a warm, beautiful you know, vacation, beautiful place to be. Yep. And we're talking about, and then we were looking in the Phoenix metro area as well. Okay. And the deciding factor for us was not about the property; it was about the amenities in the community. Okay. Yeah. And that if you're in the Palm Springs area, in my ignorant opinion, you're narrowing your your market scope down to people who like to play tennis, like to play golf, and like to hike. And those are the well, music festivals. So maybe. Well, they do. They yeah. have music festivals. They have a 420 festival down there, too. Not that we need to be promoting that, but they do. <laughs> hey, we're it's, in Oregon. It's fine. Um, but those are those those are the things down there. Now, when you flip it around, you go to Phoenix metro area, you have four major professional sports franchises. <clears throat> you have world-class golf courses as well. Mm-hmm. You have um, concert venues. You have uh, lots of outdoor activities and things. There's just more going on same things but more is yeah, it's just you're, yeah you're and thinking was yeah it's just more opportunities the house that we have is central well it's not really central located it's in glendale so it's north- did you get in before the 30 percent year over year appreciation yeah Phoenix? yeah what year when, when and well it's been it'll it'll be it's about two years going on two okay. years okay great so uh, things were starting to Build, build quickly and crazy you, there. You mm-hmm. still probably you still had to go in a bidding war or not? I don't know. Oh, okay. So you've no, nope, we we did good. And then so it's about ten or fifteen minutes away from most of the spring training complexes for oh, baseball nice. people. Yeah, the waste management open golf tournament mm-hmm. is fifteen minutes the other direction. Mm-hmm. You know, we just had the Super Bowl in Glendale. We have college football playoffs in Glendale, so it's a major sports hub because of the weather. Hey, and are you guys just rented out consistently? We, except in the summer, the summer is a challenge down there because it's, it's 125 degrees. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you got a pool, right? We do have a pool, which makes 115 degrees more enjoyable. Yeah. The water's like 112 degrees. No, it's not, like, it's not like that at all. It's no, no, just kidding. <laughs> it's very refreshing to dive into the yeah, pool you know, oh. at that point in time, but it's yeah. good. And it's been interesting to, to have a house, you know, <clears throat> 1800 miles away. Mm-hmm. that you have to maintain and it's about the successes have been building relationships with people who live there locally yep um you know finding a house cleaning service right finding a pool company to take care of the pool yeah it's pretty expensive to maintain a pool isn't it inexpensive is that pretty right? expensive yeah it can be when the mechanical side of things goes Do you wrong. have like a pool heater and all that stuff we uh we have all of the plumbing stuff and everything taken care of so we have all of that going on yeah and we have you know we have someone that comes and takes care of it on a weekly basis mm-hmm. we have a landscaper that comes pretty regularly we have a house cleaning service and it's just it's a lot to right. manage and you have a lot of trust in those people you have to find the right people so that you're not being taken advantage of it would be a whole lot easier to have an investment property in the community you live in. Of course. It's yeah. just for convenience sake. You know, like yeah. if the refrigerator breaks down in Arizona, we can't just hop in the car, go to the storage unit, grab another refrigerator and go over there right away. Yeah. We have to call the home warranty company. We have to get other people out there. We have to get our handyman to go do this. It's a lot. Yeah. It's uh, a lot. 
but it's been fun. It's been, we met a lot of really cool people through the, you know, the short term rental situation. Mm -hmm. It's been, it's been nice. And, and do you use it personally sometimes too? Yeah. We get down there. Um, it's easy for us to get down in the summer. (laughs) Oh, there you go. But I was just down there, uh, last weekend, weekend before last for spring training. Oh, nice. Down there with a group of my friends. Okay, cool. And take advantage of, of having that house available to us. It was nice. Yeah. And, uh, I think one of our first conversations we ever had was you talking about like driving down to basically get it ready or something. Yeah. You talk about like the work you had to do personally to get it yeah. started. Yeah. yeah. So when we, we got the property and Trunk then, of flooring brought down. Yeah. Well, I did. No, I did. I bought, yes. I took, I took 1500 square feet of laminate floor yes. down there. So I did No, my dad and I did a road trip. I've never done a road trip with my dad. Before. Oh man. That's amazing because it's like full circle. Yeah. So it was like, so we now went it's to your turn, dad. I did this. <laughs> you're going to come help me. It's totally what it was. So my dad said, I'll come with you. So we loaded up a u-haul with furniture we got from friends who were um, they need to get rid of furniture and so they unloaded a bunch of furniture on us and okay it was nice to have all of that you know sometimes given to us sometimes we bought some sure. of the things mm-hmm. but yeah the main thing was we needed new floors upstairs we wanted no carpet in our rental house so we put laminate floor up the stairs and on the second floor nice it's a tile main floor okay um, and so we needed flooring so i thought i'm gonna buy some flooring so i did i bought flooring from one of our suppliers and put it in the u-haul truck and my dad and I road tripped it down there. It took us. We took two days. Yeah. To go down there. Um, Went to the Grand Canyon. No, we didn't. I wish. No, it was two. It was two like eleven or twelve hour days of driving a U-Haul truck together. Just driving the truck. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a good time. I'm glad that my dad and I got an opportunity to do that. It was fun. Okay, so you changed the floors mm-hmm. and you furnished it. Yeah, we furnished it, changed the floors. And you just did the design on your own because you got the, the yeah. money from it. Yeah, right? so yeah, I find one of my installers up here in the Portland metro area has a cousin who lives down in the Phoenix area. Okay. And so I was able to find an installation team. Nice. And just, yeah, it worked out really well. Okay. Yeah, so we've got, we took care of that. Was See, so we updated, we furnished it, um, updated with lots of deck. Decorations and things like that. Mm-hmm. Changed out some lighting in the place. Put new laminate floors in on the second floor. Mm-hmm. Did some plumbing work. Changed, you know, a couple other things around here and there. But um, yeah, that was pretty much it. When we bought the house, we bought it with a lot of the existing furniture in the house. So okay. the, the previous owners had a large sectional sofa, so we just added that to the sale price and we bought that. We bought all the TVs and the electronics that were already hardwired into the house. Oh, nice. We bought all the outdoor patio furniture. So we just made an offer of a flat fee for all of the stuff in the house that we wanted. Nice. And, and we got it. That's so, perfect. And probably helped them out too because they didn't have to they didn't move any of it. Yeah. And so are you finding that, okay, it's kind of harder to rent in the summer, but does the other months make up your bottom line or does it cover the mortgage? Are you yeah, it does. flowing pretty well? Yeah. What, what does that yeah, look things like? Are, things are going well in that regard. When it, we're, we're expanding, we just got on Verbo nice. and got oh, okay. going with that. So now we have so dual, multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. Multiple platforms. Verbo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then one of the other things that we're looking at is um, like with the, the traveling nurses mm-hmm. around the country, we're looking to get them because they do longer stays. Oh, do like a more of a midterm. Yeah, they do like, I think it's 90 days. Yeah. Um, 90 day periods of time as they travel about. So we would be looking at that point. It's a great opportunity to have the same person there for three straight months, mm-hmm. steady income stream. So that's the next yeah, evolution for us is try to get that going to where, you know, maybe they're there for three months, maybe they stay for six, maybe it's four different people over the course of the year or whatever, you know, but it's, uh, I think that'll just level, level everything out, which will be nice. 
it'll make it more difficult for us to use the place for personal gain, but it's it's uh, you know it's an investment property. It's about making money on the property itself, renting it out, not having a second vacation home someplace that you're still paying for. Uh, do you think you'd make more doing the midterm with the travel nurses, or I mean, obviously, if you have have it as a short term rental, you can make more on a daily basis, correct? Right. I would, yeah, and you have more cash flow coming in faster with the short term rentals. But I am more, more expensive. Ex- I am more excited about like not having to think about it. Things. You have. You have the same person in there shouldn't have any maintenance issues mm-hmm. you're not you know nothing should be getting damaged because you don't know who's there you know from week to week yep so those variables become lesser and the cash flow well maybe it's not as much on a regular basis it's going to be steady and consistent and profitable to a certain level and, and a I little think that's, more peace of mind probably yeah it's just less stress well can you talk about some of the stresses you had when you got this started and some of the things you were expecting and maybe didn't meet expectations yeah a lot of customer service is a big one yeah it's, it's hard to do when you don't live in the area and something is you know wrong like we have i had to get familiar with all of the tvs and how to operate them all because people were going to ask well how do you turn it on how do you find your streaming services Power button. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of times i wanted to say that very clear instruction like one sheet in those in in a short term rental is very useful. We have one of those kind of guidebooks yeah. in the house now, and it's one of the things we did is we made QR codes for everything. Mm, you know, smart. like um, the TVs themselves. We found a, a, a how to operate the TV video on YouTube, and so we just put the link, made a QR code, and put that in the book. Like, take a picture of this, and it'll teach you how to use the TV. Yeah, um, we've done some other things. We've gotten rid of like traditional. TV and we just offer streaming services now at the house. Mm-hmm. So if you guys went down there, you just log into your own Netflix account and then, you know, either log out or don't. And the next people can use your Netflix account. That's <laughs> your choice. No, I totally get that. Uh, so we, we do that. That's, that's the TV thing has been the biggest challenge. The biggest question. That's I just think that's the hardest yeah, to manage. Like, that's the weirdest thing. It's the TV. Um, that's an interesting point though. And I find that's true. Now I have a harder time dealing with the TV than I did. I don't watch as much TV Mm -hmm. anymore as I used to, but like when I was younger, it was like you had a remote and you just flipped through the channels. Yeah. But now there's like 17 different streaming services. Like each TV is a smart TV and you're like, there's the inputs. All the menus are different. Yeah. (laughs) Where's the Netflix? Where's the Hulu? Where's all the Or, oh, my kid brought his PlayStation with me and we want to hook it up to the thing. And and I was just saying, well, great. Pull out your HDMI cable and plug it in or however you hook it up. Right. Well, which you know, which input do we use? And I went, I don't know, whichever one you plug the cord into. <laughs> I read the back of the TV. I just, I always say, I go, your six-year-old can probably figure it out. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you sometimes. Right. <laughs> I have a hard time not being a smart mouth about stuff like that. It's really not my strength because I just sort of look no. at people and scratch my head sometimes. But, you know, so the TV has been a big thing. Um, obviously, like, you know, having, making sure people understand um, how to use, like, the pool, Mm-hmm. Um, we have a safety gate around the pool, so mm-hmm. it's it is it gets me sometimes. You know the locking mechanism on that and stuff. And there's a specific way to turn everything mm-hmm. to make it so you can access it. You know, running out of propane. If you have pro L, uh, oh, yeah, LP yeah. propane tanks, having enough of those on property to do the grill, do the outdoor fire pit. And so you don't make the the guests go get their own propane or refill. No, them? we have three or four propane tanks there that we just keep maintaining oh, and being filled so that it's available for the guests. Right, right. They're there, um, and then other amenities. You know, we have I don't know pool floaties for in the pool. Sure. We have cornhole games. You know, there we have a ping pong table. We have other things that we make available to people um, while they're down there. 
We have our, our, our own personal vehicle we have down there. So when we're down there, we have a car. We don't have to rent a car. Oh, nice. Because when we first got the house down there, you know, renting a car, you know, that was when car rental fleets had sold all their stuff That's off. An interesting idea. And you, uh, you, you could rent your car to the... Oh, do you do that? Do you we, rent we've done that. Yeah, have you done that? Okay, yeah. That's, we've done that's, that. That's brilliant. Do you, yeah. do, do you do it through the Airbnb platform or how do you... Um, mostly, some. it depends on you. Like if you guys went down there, we'd make probably make it... You just give us the car, right? We just, <laughs> <laughs> just be like, hey, take it. You know? Enjoy it. Enjoy it. No, but we do for friends and family, people like that, you know, we'll make the car available so they don't have to spend the money on a rental. Sure. We have... Um, um, we have found a great um, like uh, shuttle service, like an executive car driver guy down there in that community um, who comes and picks us up at the airport when we fly in and he takes us to our house and we make that available to all our guests too. So they don't have to worry about finding an Uber or, mm -hmm. or a Lyft and yep. get all the way there. His fees are probably comparable to most Uber and Lyft drivers because it's about a 30-minute drive from the airport to the house. And you cover that for your guests when they come in? Or no, we make it available to them. They pay him to You give them the connection. Yeah, yeah, we just say, here's the guy, call him. Which honestly, I find is very nice because getting an Uber or Lyft from the airport sometimes is, is terrible experience. It's, yeah. It can be, for sure. Um, thankfully the Phoenix airport is pretty nice, pretty easy it to depends, navigate. Yeah. It depends on the airport. Right. It's and, not too busy. Yeah. But, but knowing that, um, our, our driver guy, um, it will go down there and he, all he asks for from the clients is, Hey, just give me your flight information right. and then text me when you land and I'll tell you and tell me where airline and I'll be waiting <clears throat> for you. And he's there. Yeah. That's perfect. And it's great. Yeah. Have you ever thought about putting your car on Turo and maybe just giving your guests that link? Cause I think Turo might cover, you know, some of the liabilities. I think. We've experienced, we've explored that. I don't know that it's something that we're super excited about. That's one of those pieces of the puzzle that we're not quite ready to, to yeah. move forward with yet. It's, it could be sketchy, you know? Yeah. It's interesting had a bad how you were like, oh yeah, the house, sure. You can rent that, but the car, car. well, we've had a, <laughs> we've had a couple like interesting tenants. Yeah. Um, we've had one that, you know, they did a lot of damage, you know, thousands of dollars worth of damage to the house and the route inside and so we had to work through the short-term rental platforms like through airbnb and we worked with them and we worked with our insurance company yeah. and we worked with you know other people and down in that area to put everything back but it was it was not easy to do you're relying on your your crew of people down there right like we relied on our house cleaner to go back to the house and photo document all of the damage can you yeah i would love to hear about that because i think that's somebody's a lot of people's fear about short-term rentals is that people's gonna, people are going to throw a party and they're going to yeah. wreck things. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about that whole process and how that worked out? Yeah. So, you know, that we documented all the, the damage. The, how we knew that there was something wrong is we have a doorbell camera, like a yeah. ring, mm -hmm. and we have a security camera on the, like by the garage. And we got notifications that there was activity in the driveway. And so we like looked on the app on our phone and we were there. It's like, we saw like the Glendale police department. Oh, all of them, because I think there's only seven, and they were, <laughs> and they were all at our house. Oh, <clears throat> we watched a fight between the tenant and a police officer happen on the camera live. Nice. And and then he was, you know, that all worked itself out. But that was the person that caused all the damage in the house. It ended up being something, you know, police reports were filed, insurance claims were filed. We worked through Airbnb, so it was difficult. Um, you know, being here and not there, wanting to jump on a flight and like get down there, but right. then realizing like, well, what's going to change if we get down there? What right. are we going to do differently than we can do here? Yeah, it's it's um, so that was a challenge, but we got it all put back together. Mm. We have an amazing group of people, 
supporting us down there. Friends we know, our housekeeper, the landscaper, our driver guy even pitched in and helped out around. I mean, it's amazing. Um, when you have a good community around you of support and how everybody is there to care for each other, and it's really great. And it's been a good experience. Even that negativity was a good experience. Was uh, the guest liable for that damage, and how did that work? To a point they were, but then not through Airbnb. I think Airbnb banned them or shut mm. their account down, right. but you just go get a new email well, yeah, address what are you and gonna start them for a thousand dollars. Yeah, you can't. Really so that that's yeah. the risk as the owner, right? Is that we're going to let you stay in our house, but we don't necessarily get any kind of ramifications back towards you as the guest well, at all. I'll say there's like little stuff. Like I had somebody break a cue stick for our pool table, and like I took a picture of it, and then they I put the cost of the yeah. item, and then they were able to cover that. I haven't had a ma anything major happen, so I'm, I'm curious yeah. about what happens we, when you have thousands we, of dollars. We had, um, we had. Uh, Do you take an extra deposit sometimes, or how does that work? So you you don't have to give the deposit back. We do have a deposit to rent our right. place, but okay. you don't have to give that back. You can keep so it. So you, you can mm -hmm. keep. So that can cover some of that. Some of it, but it's yeah. not much. I mean, but what's not. three or four hundred dollars going to cover? Yeah, it's yeah. Not. Like we had the side tables in the primary back bedroom. Like one of them was like picked up and thrown on the floor and smashed. Wow. And then in the course of smashing that, like the flooring had holes poked in it, damaged. Because, you know, laminate flooring doesn't hold up to being smashed by heavy things. Sorry. <laughs> okay. It's scratch well. resistant, but you can't throw heavy blocks of wood on top of it and not expect some damage. So that was damaged. Um, we had a couple stair treads that were damaged because they threw stuff down the stairs. Um, so things like that, when it all adds up, you know, it's probably about four or $5,000 worth of damage and replacing furniture and things like that to get it all put back together. And <clears throat> the insurance that you carry for the rental, were you able to help some, help some, know, yeah. You know, it, it wasn't but a huge premium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you kind of have to weigh out the, in the bat, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, we had to work through that process and that was a learning curve because we hadn't experienced it before right. and now we have. And so that's good. The one thing I would tell you about that for short-term rentals is when you buy something and put it in your house, take a photo of it, take a, keep the receipt for everything because mm. the short-term rental companies like Airbnb and Verbo, they're going to say, prove it to you. You're on the hook to prove the value to them. They won't give you full retail value back. They give you like prorated market depreciation value. Yeah. So even if you bought a hundred dollar <laughs> nightstand and could prove it and it was six months ago, they're going to tell you it's only worth $75 now. And so now they're going to give you the $75 now you're still out $25 right. and you're just like, this is messed up. Those assholes. <laughs> but, but to their point, like, could you sell that used for $100 now? No, you can't. So, and I get it. Yeah. I mean, they're, they have to protect themselves too. Yeah. I get that. So that's something I would say, document everything. Yeah. We have since gone through and literally video documented the whole house. Yeah. As everything is so like, we get it all put together. House cleaner goes in and she does her thing and makes it beautiful and clean and and perfect. And then she went through and shot video of the whole, every room in the house. She took pictures of all of the furniture, artwork, all the dishes, like everything in the house. Um, we've, you know, there are things you can put in place. Like, you know, if there's damage to this and damage that, like you said, for a pool cue, you could say, Hey, broken pool cue, it's going to cost you 25 bucks. It's, yeah. You know, this is going to cost you 10 bucks. This is, and yeah. And then you're nickel and diming everybody to death and, and it is what it is. But as a guest, you know, I, I, I've been asked to pay for something that was broken. I didn't break it. It was yeah. there when I got there and it was broken. That's I got what they there. always say. Right. Right. <laughs> I know. So it is what it is. It, I think it's part of the risk that the people who are staying in your property assume that they might get put on the hook for stuff. Yeah. And as the person who owns the house, you have to assume that there's going to be things that I can't prove and I'm just stuck dealing with it. 
Well, I'll say this about short-term rentals uh, versus long-term rentals because I have both. I mean, obviously with long-term rentals, you're waiting for them to pay rent. And sometimes they don't pay rent. And the nice thing about short-term rentals is they pay up front. Right. Which is always good. So, and if they do cause damage, like at least you have that money yeah. now and they're not just, well, they can squat, but right. yeah. they don't usually. Exactly. <laughs> they haven't yet. And you have more rights to remove them. Yes. You do. Exactly. Yeah. Those short-term platforms, you do have legal rights when their contracted term that they paid for is up. That's yeah. it, that gets up. And if they don't leave now, you can, now you, I mean, they don't have a lease. They don't have a contract. That's right. Like, you can yeah. at that point, if you had to, you can get law enforcement involved and they can just say, get out. Yeah. I mean, we haven't had to have that happen yet, thank God. Me neither. So, but, you know, and <laughs> I'm not experts on that yet. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want to know how that all works out at all. So we're thankful that we have um, a lot of really great people staying there. We've had a lot of really cool interactions with our people who have been guests there. Several of them, because we don't allow parties, it says that in our advertisement. Yep thing on there and one couple came from wisconsin because their extended family was getting married in the glendale area and they said it says no parties on there but we wanted to know if the bridal shower could be at the house and it's just going to be six of us and they asked and it was like awesome and then they took pictures and they shared the pictures with us it was really cool yeah so if you have that interaction with yeah. your guests and be able to be a part of you know a family memory kind of thing like that. totally and it's really great um i enjoy it uh, you know, and I, I think it's been a, it's a positive thing. The challenge is the distance between us and the house. Yeah. That's the challenge. Um, but you know, it's, it is, it's great. I think it's good. I'm, I'm hopeful that in the next year or two, we can add another one down there. I think it's worth having, I think the area in the Phoenix Metro area is definitely worth having multiple investment properties, whether it's long-term or short-term rentals. I think it's a great place. And you since know? you already have the infrastructure there, you, you're thinking you would add another, and would you do short-term again? Probably, yeah. Because you like the, the way I, that, the Yeah, and I think I, I think that I would be excited about possibility of like a condo, like in a condo building versus mm -hmm. a separate house. Only because, and I don't have to worry about the pool maintenance no pool or landscaping maintenance. No maintenance. HOA takes care of all the actual mm -hmm. building stuff. And it's, I think it would be, there's a different segment of that short-term rental market where I think it would be very valuable and could easily turn a nice profit. Um, have you looked at any restrictions down there? Because I know condos and they have HOAs that might not allow. Yeah, that's where having a good realtor is gonna be helpful because they'll be yeah. able to figure that out. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's what we relied on when we bought that, uh, the, that current house is the real estate broker down there being able to say, for us to say, our intention is this, you need to find us a neighborhood where HOAs don't restrict short-term right. rental. Because I know that there's other places, like anything around a Disney or a theme park, there's, that's that's taboo. Or Multnomah County. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, everything's bad in there, right? Yeah. Um, well, no, it's interesting. I mean, we actually, we haven't interviewed on anyone on this show yet that's been interested in building a condo portfolio. And, and most of us here are pretty adverse to HOA fees and HOA restrictions and covenants. But I do know investors that only want condos for the reasons that you mentioned. Right. Ease of maintenance. Um, well, our, the pool guy, I think, is... 150 to $200 a month. Wow. Let's just say and landscapers are like another $150 a month. You know, when you add up all of those things, add that's a pretty there, expensive HOA all of a sudden. You have an HOA fee covered yeah. and it's done yeah. for that type of stuff. And a lot of the condo complexes there and, you know, here and probably every major area that has a substantial condo community, most of those places have a pool. Like it's a community pool, yeah. but it's still a pool. Yeah. Yeah. I notice in a lot of neighborhoods in, in like San Diego, they'll have, a neighborhood with like three or four pools mm -hmm. and living in the neighborhood you pay an hoa but it's like usually 200 bucks or less 
but then you get access to the pool right. and you can rent those like common rooms. Yeah. Um, so it kind of gives you that in between of the, of the condo experience mm -hmm. and, and the single family experience. Yeah. I, I just, I want it because of the lack of other maintenance outside. I don't want to deal with that. It's, you want to do less. Yeah, I do. I want to do less. Me too. I get it. And it's and usually condos are within walking distance of, of you know they're in the downtown metro area. Metro, so, yeah. So people fly in and out of the community, you know, for business or if they're coming in for a specific event, they just want a place to, you know, to to have a decent meal or to be someplace safe and like a hotel. It's just the difference is now you have a kitchen that goes with it, so you right. don't have to go eat out if you don't want to. Yeah. So. Long term, next five years or ten years, what is kind of your plan with real estate? What do you hope to accomplish there? I'd like to have in the next five years. I'd like to have two or three more properties that I own, um, whether they're investment properties to where I'm like, or short term rental properties or long term rentals. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm that is what it is. And would that be? You feel like once you get to that point, you're pretty much you can retire or you not have to worry no, about working it maybe on paper i can <laughs> I, I mean not i i can't sit still from a financial perspective i mean you I feel like i think i would have a little bit more financial I, I would need to stress out as much financially which is going to be nice but mm -hmm. i think i will always be doing something mm -hmm. um and especially when it comes to houses i just have a skill set that's unique to those types of things i can do most of the work myself i have to thank my dad for that for forcing me to learn those mm -hmm. types of things and you have teams that could do it, help you with that too. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to do a whole lot now. I have a lot of resources at my disposal, which is nice. And so I take advantage of that when I can. But I also, you know, if I need to save some money and cut some corners financially and do things on my own, then I, I know how to do it and I can put in the time, which is nice. Sometimes it's nice to not have to write the check for $1,000 to somebody else when you can <laughs> spend it and do it yourself. Sure. So no, I, I but yeah, had the experience but, with that. <laughs> But no, I, I think, you know, two or three properties over the next five years, I think is probably pretty reasonable. And, and I, I picked the right market to put them in. I don't know if they'll be here in the Portland metro area, might be down in the Phoenix metro area. I don't know who knows where it'll be. I just think having them available is going to be a good thing. Um, I'm learning a lot mm. and, and sometimes you learn a lot and you learn the hard way. Yeah. And sometimes it's really easy because you have friends with lots of other knowledgeable experience under their belt and they can say, Hey, don't do that. And here's why. And they, you just kind of go, Oh, okay. And then you change course and, and make adjustments. So I think it's great. And if you were to give advice to somebody that was looking to get their first investment and it was, they're thinking about out of state, um, mm -hmm. since that's specifically the, the route you went, what would you, what would you advise them? I, I think, you need to know what your purpose is for the property, not just to make money, but how is it going to make money? And so what's, before, what's the draw? before you decide a location, like what are you going to use this property? Yeah, for? what's the draw? My big thing between Palm Springs and Phoenix is what's the draw? Who are you catering to? Who's your audience? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you're in that space, when you're in Palm Springs, you're looking at, you know, more senior citizens, more retirees, you know, um, snowbirds type of thing. Mm -hmm. I know that that goes on in the Phoenix area too, but what else is there in Palm Springs besides, you know, tennis, golf, the casinos and conventions right. is there in the weather. So then that's great for the Palm Springs area, but you really narrowed your focus on who your, who your clientele are going to be right. um, in Phoenix. You're open it up to everything, you know, like you, like here in Portland, like there's a lot to offer here right. in the Portland Metro area and for everybody, it's a short drive to the coast. It's a short drive to the mountain. You yeah. can, you know, I mean, it's just a lot going on. So I think it depends on what you want to do. Do you want to be in an area where there's a lot going on or do you want a specific audience that you're catering to? 
And I think that's really important to know because if you buy, if we had bought in Palm Springs, I think we'd be losing money. Oh, yeah, you got to worry about the price point too. Yeah, I don't think so. Of course, we we had we had seen houses in Palm Springs that were the same price as the one we bought in um, in Phoenix, and it was not you know they're comparable, but the one in Glendale we got had an extra bedroom and it's a little bit bigger square footage, and so it was a little nicer for the same amount of money, and that was great. Um, but, but I don't think we would have rented it out as much as we have if that same house was in Palm Springs. Right. I think the market itself, you know, the location is different. And I was a big advocate of, we need to be someplace where there's so much to do that people can't do it all on one trip. You know, like I can go to Palm Springs. I can do everything important in Palm Springs. I could do it in four days. Hmm. That's what you're saying. Yeah. You know, in Phoenix, there's too much to you do. Just keep going back there. Yeah. There's always I, a game, ball game. Going I've been on. down there four times since we've had the house and I haven't done, I've played golf once mostly because I end up working on the house, but that's yeah. a, part of the process. Right. So like I haven't been to, to any of the lakes to go boating and goof around on the lakes and they're yeah. only 20 minutes away. I've not been to a professional sporting event except for last weekend when I went to spring training for the first time. And that right. was a great experience. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't go to the Super Bowl. That's a hard one to get into. <laughs> I, didn't go, I didn't go to the Super Bowl. So maybe I can get down there and get to, you know, go to the place for the college football. But there's there's golf, there's outdoor activities like hiking, lots of amazing places to go hiking. There's oh, yeah. ghost towns, short drives away. I mean, yeah. You're, so much to do. You're near Sedona. I mean, there's Phoenix there. You're, there's Scottsdale. There's so many cities, yeah. so many different things around there. Yeah. Tucson's nearby. Tucson. It's like an hour from our house. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. you, you've got the universities, the two major universities down there. You have Grand Canyon University, which is 10 minutes from our house. Oh, yeah. The Grand Canyon's like, what, four hours away, too? Something like that. Yeah. I, I drove there from A Scott short there. helicopter right away. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You, you get me the helicopter. I'll, I'll it's, get your house. It's in our book. It's, <laughs> okay. in, our, it's in our guest book. <laughs> helicopter tour. You yeah. can do a helicopter tour. Nice. So, um, yeah, I think... I think what's your intended purpose for the house? Like who's your audience? Okay. I think is important, or at least in my mind, I think it's important. Um, and then, you know, what else, do, what does the house offer? I think those are valuable things to start with before you, you know, just jump. Yeah. You know, and I think the more experience you get, I think the next time I'll be able to jump faster. Yeah. You know, it'll be an easier decision the next time. And then, you know, you get four or five, six houses into stuff. And then all of a sudden you're not even thinking about some of these types of things anymore. You're like, hey, it's in the same community. I'm good. Right. And then you just do it, especially, you know, like down there in Glendale, we have our infrastructure of people, our crew of people yeah. down there to help out with things. It just makes it easier. You can say, hey, landscaper guy, you drive by the house and tell me how much it is to fix what you see. Yeah. And then they just drive, but they would drive by quote and you get it and so it, it, it gets a little easier, I think, but I, I can't say that it's been a negative experience at all. Having the house, you know, 1800 miles away in Glendale, Arizona, I think it's been good. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed the interaction with our short-term tenants. It's been fun. Great. Yeah. No, and I would say that, you know, obviously you're not going to learn unless you get started. I mean, everybody wants to do all the research and know everything ahead of time. Right. You're just not going to know that somebody's going to trash your home and how do you deal with it? Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the biggest struggles for us has been being able to remove the emotion out of ownership. Mm -hmm. um, it's not our house. It's an investment property. It's supposed to make us money. Um, don't take it personal when someone smashes your end table into the floor and ruins the floor. You can't be personal. I'll, I'll take that person. I, I, mean, <laughs> I have investments, but somebody's going to like damage... Yeah, you get angry about it. You're like, dang it. It's like, what are you supposed to do? But it's 
You know, I just, just I don't know. I mean, if you go WWE off the stairwell and smash them, I don't know. I just look at it. to do in business. That's how I look at it. It's, it's not my home. It's an investment property. And as long as I stay in that mental space, you just deal with the damage when it happens. Of course. And it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. That's for sure. Yeah. And then almost going on nearly two years we've had the place. We've only, we've, we've had one negative verbal interaction with the guest. We've had one physical property damage experience with a guest. And we've had dozens upon dozens of amazing experiences with a lot of really cool people from around the world that have stayed in our house. It's awesome. I love so, that. Thanks yeah. For- so, you, you know, the negative things can be counted on one hand so far in less than in just almost two years. And that's a good thing. Yeah. So no, I love that. I feel I'm pretty positive about it. I, I like it. I think the future is going to be good. Let's keep building. I'm ready. So awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, Scott, uh, you know, if people are looking to get a hold of you, uh, how can they find you? Uh, you can find me working at McAdam Floor and Design down on McAdam Avenue in Portland. <laughs> um, you can reach me uh, via email. Do you want me to tell them what my email address is? Sure. sure. Okay. I'd show you a QR code, but I don't have one in my hand. Sorry about that. <laughs> so you can uh, call me on my cell phone. It's 503-758-8901. You could reach out to me directly through McAdam's uh, front office. That's 503-246-9800. Or you can shoot me an email or a text. Uh, my email address is scarden, C-A-R-D-E-N, at macadam, and then C-P-T for carpet.com. It's my email address. I don't know. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We'll get you on Twitter. We'll get you on Twitter. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> Let's do it. Thanks so much, Scott. Yeah, Thanks, really guys. Appreciate it. Guys, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. Thanks for tuning in to the Realize Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.